Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco DeBarros. But today I want to I conclude this, this Think Better, Live Better series uh, by, by, by just going a little bit deeper today. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 1. That's the first book in the Bible. If you can't find Genesis, um, I don't know. Um, just not sure what to do. I don't know what to say. But it's the first book in the Bible, first chapter. We're going back to the beginning. Once in a while, you've got to go back to basics. Um, to be honest with you, this walk with the Lord, it's all about the basics, really. You know, God will always bring you back to basics. Amen. Amen. Genesis 1, I'm going to read verses 26 and 27. It says this, then God, every time I read God in the Bible, I wish I was black from the south. Um, <laughs> and I wish there was a keyboard behind me going, <laughs> it's my preaching fantasy. Then God <laughs> said, uh, okay, the keyboard and come back. Um, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Can you say amen? So this last couple of weeks, we've been talking about thinking better. It leads to a better life. But I want to just, uh, just want to emphasize this right off the bat, that we don't mean positive thinking, positive confession. Okay, that's a good thing, but it's not enough. Okay, we're, we're talking something way deeper than positive confession. We're talking about aligning yourself with the thoughts of God. Aligning yourself with the image that he created you with in the first place. The image has been tainted, distorted by sin. God wants to restore that back to the original state. That's what salvation really is. Salvation is, is being restored back to your original state. Right? God wants to, to restore your mind, your heart, your soul, your being, all back to where it's supposed to be before sin got in the picture. Can you say amen? You know, so think better means I want to think more accurately. Right? And the way I do that is, is that I have to see what God says about me. Right? Think better means like I'm going to think with more faith and less fear. Right? I'm going to think with more hope and less despair. I'm going to think with more love and less hate. That's what thinking better is all about. So it's not just positive confession. We have to align ourselves with what God says about us, which in the beginning he says, I created you in my image and likeness, which means I created you with my nature and my character. Like, God's nature and character is supposed to be on you, and you're supposed to resemble him, right? That's the goal of salvation, is to take you back to the original state, right? So, 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 so if you're taking notes today, thinking better starts with the, the, with the origin of the thoughts. Where does your thoughts come from is critical because whenever your thoughts come from is the reason why you're thinking a certain way, yeah. Right? If the lens of your mind is skewed, then your thoughts are going to be skewed, right? Let me, let me put it to you this way. In 1990, they launched this, this telescope into space. It's called the Hubble Telescope. How I many of you guys have heard of the Hubble Telescope, right? It has, it has revolutionized the scientific world, right? It has given us data 
uh, that, that has helped us understand the universe a little bit better, which we're still scratching the surface of the universe. That's how big, majestic God is. Like, there's so much more going on that we have no idea, you know. Uh, but in 1990, when they launched this telescope, the goal was that it's going to project back images in the highest definition as possible to be able to see beyond things that you can't see with the naked eye and with a, with a earthly te- telescope. Like, this, this thing goes around the world in 97 minutes, right? Oh, and, and, which means it goes around the United States. Watch this. I want to get this right. Uh, it, it, it's fast enough to travel across the United States in 10 minutes. Right, taking pictures, taking images, and help us understand the space, how matter works, how, how the universe is expanding. Uh, it's incredible what this thing does. But in the beginning, there was a problem because once they begin to get the first images, they realized something was wrong because the images were coming back blurred. The reason why the images were coming back blurred, they said, is because of one sliver of this eight feet thing, one sliver, they say like as, as big as probably the length of an air, uh, of your, if, you, if you have hair, um, uh, <laughs> they said just a little bit was thrown off enough, just a little sliver was off, and he made all the images come back blurry, right? Which tells you how powerful the reflection of your thoughts are. Just one off, it will throw off everything else that you see about life. Right? And so they had to send uh, astronauts up there to fix it. It took three years for them to fix it. And if you go on Google and just Google Hubble telescope images, it's incredible what you see out there. Right? But they had to fix the lens in order to get the right images. We have to fix the lens in our minds in order to get the right images that God intended for us to have in the first place. God meant for you to have a life that is in high definition. Like you can see things clearly the way he intended for you to see. But there's a distortion in your lens. Right? That needs to be fixed. Right? See, if you, again, if you're taking notes, I highly encourage you to do because this is the thing you've got to process during the week. When you start with a wrong image of yourself, everything else projected into your life will reflect that. This is why you have to fix the lens in order to get it right. right? Your lens has distortion in it. And these distortions come from many places. Right? It comes from what people have spoken over you, but they weren't speaking the will of God over you, and we begin to accept those things. Sometimes it's people close to us that said things like, you will never amount to anything. That's a distortion. Someone said you're lazy. Someone said you're a bum. Someone said you're not man enough or you're not a woman enough. Right? Someone says you're a failure. These are distortions. These are false images of what God created you to be in the first place. And these things need to be renounced because they're false. They're not God's will for your life, and we have to correct them. In order to go forward, you will never change, people say. No one knows the real you. Right? These are all false voices, and they come from a place that is not God. Right? The, see, again, write this down. The most powerful weapon that the enemy has against you is not temptation, it's deception. He wants to deceive you to buy into things that is not God's will for you. That's what he did from the beginning. After God created Adam and Eve, you know, you read two more chapters, here comes the enemy deceiving them out of God's will. Right? He said, you won't die. Right? What, did he, what happened? Eve bought into the lie over God. And since then, that's been the struggle of humanity. We buy into the lies over the will of God. 
right? God is trying to speak to us, but because our lens are distorted, we have a tendency to agree with the wrong voices. And I believe God sets up series like this to say, no, no, we got to go back to the original. we got to think better and live better. Our minds need to be once again aligned with God's will. Satan is a deceiver. And there's three areas that I want to highlight to you that he, he tries to deceive you in. First of all, he tries to deceive you about who you are. See, he's after your identity. Right? Because if he can affect your identity, then your purpose will be affected. And if your purpose is affected, then your destiny will be affected as well. Right? Because those are the three questions that we all have in life. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? It's my identity. Why am I here? That's my purpose. Where I'm going? That's my destiny. Right? But the thing is, God has an answer for those things. It's in his word. And we have to align ourselves with what he says about us in order for us to fully live the life that he calls us to live. But you have to identify the long distortion in your lenses. Right? And so, and so with you, he says things like, you're not worthy. And after a while, if we're not aligning ourselves with God's will, then we begin to accept those truths. But they're lies. Right? The Bible says the truth sets you free. Right? In other words, it sets you free when you align yourself with it. Right? So what happens when you begin to correct your lens of thinking is that, yeah, you hear the voice says you're not worthy. Listen, you don't even argue with it because you, you have now a story that says I'm not worthy, but God. Right? right? That's the story of grace. Right? Everybody needs a but God story. Right? Because all of us fall short of God's glory. But the good news is grace comes to restore us, to redeem us back to the beginning, to what God created us. Right? Lies to you about your identity. Tries to lie to you about God. You all have heard the voice that says, God is not here. He's left you. He's distant. He's not hearing your prayer. If God was good, then why this is happening? Right? Those are the voices that we all hear. In those moments, it's important to say, okay, but what does he say about himself? Right? Those are the voices that are saying one thing, but what does the Bible tells us about who God actually is? Because when you read it, you read things like he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Though your mom and dad may leave you, I'm the God that is always faithful to you. I'll trust, you can trust me through the good, the bad, the ugly times. I'm the same God. God says even when you are faithless, he is faithful. Like God never stops being himself. Right? So it's critical that I align myself with God's lens for my life. Right? He also lies to you about your circumstances. Right? What does he say about your circumstances? He says, it's never going to work out. This is impossible. There's no way. Right? You're, 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 this is it. You're doomed. It's never going to happen. But then what happens when I begin to align myself with, with God's lens for my life? What do I see? I see him say things like, well, I will work out everything for your good, right? If you trust me, right, I'm a God that redeems things. If I begin a good work in you, I'm going to finish it. Like, I don't do anything half-hearted. I do things full. Like, I'm a God that can do exceedingly above. You can never ask or think. But you got to align yourself with what he says about you, not what the enemy is trying to tell you about your circumstances. Right? It's about perspective. But here's the thing with perspective. Wrong perspective can never be erased by positive thinking. Only God's word has the power to cause you to see yourself the way he sees you. Why? Because this is the manual. You don't go to a mechanic and tell him how to fix your car. 
you trust the mechanic that he, that he knows what he's doing, right? So, so going to God is like going to the mechanic and saying, listen, something's not working right. You need to tell me exactly how it was meant to work in the first place. This is the manual of life. This is what he gave us. And I know, you know, we have a hard time asking for directions. When it comes to God, we don't have time to play prideful. We don't have time to try to figure out our own. I need to go see God. What are you that you say about me? Right? It's too many people being prideful out there trying to figure out on their own and never finding a way back. Why? Because it's about perspective. You see, when Jesus was tempted by the same enemy... Here's what he said. I love this about, about his answer, right? Look what he said. He said to the enemy, like, Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, the scriptures say, not my feelings say, not my emotions said, right? Not my co-worker said, not Facebook said, not Instagram said. No, the word of God that is forever eternal, that doesn't change, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's what he says. Right? It says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you don't live by just your physical hunger. You have a spiritual hunger, and you need to make sure you're eating right. You got to make sure you're eating right. Right? Because this is the diet for the person who wants to live according to God's will. Right? We got to go in the word to see, okay, God, what is it that you say? I need to align my, my lenses with you. I need to align my focus with you. It's not just hearing the word, by the way, that sets you free. It's activating the word. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times, that's the battle sometimes in church, is that we are in church, but is the church getting in us? See, I worked in a, in a Christian high school for nine years. I was the Christian living teacher, chaplain, slash vice principal, slash Coach, all the fine prints you do when you work in a Christian school, they don't tell you about, uh, you end up doing a million things. Um, but the most, the most sad, the saddest thing for me working there was the fact that a lot of these young people were in the building, but the things were not getting in them. See, you could be in here, but is the word getting in you? Right? There's a difference between attending a, a service and then the service becoming you. Like, you become the worship service because your life becomes a worship unto God when the word gets in you. Right? The Bible says you're the worship service. Did you know that? Did you know that you're the worship leader of your soul? Did you know that, that these guys are not here to cheerlead you? They're here to worship with you. Right? They're not here to tell you what to do. They're here to do with you. Like, I'm not here to preach uh, so, so, that, so, that, so that you can, you can just listen to this. No, I'm preaching to me. Right? I'm preaching to us. Like, all of us together saying, God, we want to align ourselves with your will, with your purpose, with your desires for our lives. Can you say amen? amen. So the word of God, picture it this way, right? I'm going to go on a limb and, and, and believe that you took a shower today. <laughs> like, I have that faith that you showered today. Um, the word of God is that daily spiritual shower, right? It's that daily cleansing. It's that daily washing. And for some of us, some of the stuff that, 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 that people have spoken over us has been so ingrained in our minds, we need to shower over and over again to, to defeat those thoughts, to defeat those, those wrong perspectives that has been placed in us. So I need to go to the Word every day to take a cleansing, to take a washing, to say, Lord, I've been feeling this way, this is happening, but guess what? I'm going to sit down now, Lord. I need you to shower over me, wash me, cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart, cleanse my eyes, my ears, my mouth. Like, I want to be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. This is why it's critical to be in the Word every day. 
So you can say, wait, I feel this way, but what does the word say? Someone said this, but what does the word say? The situation is this way, but what does the word say about my situation? Can you say amen? Amen. Right? Because the word of God has the power to cleanse, to restore, to heal. Maybe you've been abused. You've been abused in the past. Well, let the word of God begin to bring healing. Bring healing to your mind. Bring healing to your soul. Bring healing to the places that no one else knows about. It's incredible how the word of God is so personal. That I'm preaching right now, but he knows how to connect the dots to your heart. Like exactly who you are, exactly what you're going through, exactly what you need right now. The word of God is that personal. It's active, the Bible says. It's like a double-edged sword. It cuts through everything. It cuts through all the fluff, and it gets to the heart of the matter. Like the word of God knows exactly where you are, and it's exactly where you need to be. If you continue to align yourself with him, you can say, I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. I'm trusting God with his will. I want to give you an example of what I mean, because the Bible is full of promises. I want to give you just one promise, just, just, just to illustrate this. Isaiah 54 says this, right? It says, but in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. That's a promise, right? That's a promise from God. Like, nothing will succeed against you, right? You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken so, so, so what a great thing to know that when I'm going through something and I feel like I'm in a warfare, I need to appropriate myself of his word to say, God, but you said that no weapon formed against me will succeed. So I'm going to speak your word over my life. I'm going to speak your word over my family. I'm going to speak it over my situation. I'm going to speak it over my mind. I'm going to declare what you said. It's what you said. And you're faithful to come through. That's how the word works. You have to activate it into your life. You have to personalize the word to make it yours. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to challenge you with something very difficult today. Okay. But can you imagine yourself? Yeah, you. Not your neighbor, but you. Can you imagine yourself as God's favorite? Because you are his favorite. I don't know if you realize that. I don't know if you realize that, but that God has a fridge and and your picture's on it. But when God's watching the warriors destroy everybody, and, he, and he's hungry, he goes to the fridge, he's like, oh, that's my boy right there. That's, that's him right there. You know? Two in the morning, God needs a snack. He goes, oh, look at my girl. She's on my fridge. Like, you're God's favorite. See, see I'm, a, I'm a father of five, right? And I remember people telling me, oh, man, when you have kids, you're going to love them all the same. I, I, and I always struggle with that. I was like, how is it possible to love five people the same way? But guess what? I have five kids, and I love them all the same. Right? It's incredible how God empowers you as an earthly father to have the same unconditional love for your kids. Like, if he can do that, me, an imperfect father, how much more can a heavenly father love every single person the same way? It's amazing. It blows my mind how personal he is. Right? Because I'm imperfect. I make mistakes. I yell at them sometimes. But, man, I love my knuckleheads. Every single one of them. Unconditionally. Why? Because that's the love that God puts in us, right? And he said this, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your your kids, how much more me, the heavenly father, want to bless your life? Like, you are God's favorite. You know, one of the most uh, famous stories in the Bible is the prodigal son story. Everybody knows that story, 
right? The young man that, that, that left home and, and squandered his life. The word prodigal means wasteful. Like he wasted his time, his energy, his, his money, like while living. And then one day he came to his senses. He's like, man, what, what am I doing with my life? Like why am I living this way when I could be home in my, in my father's house and be blessed? And so, and so he says, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to, he's, he's trying to rehearse what he's going to say to his dad on the way home. And he said, he comes up with this thing. He's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn my way back. Right? Because that's how we think. We think we need to earn our way back. But this is a picture of grace. The father heard that he was coming home. The father didn't wait for him and go, yeah, you knucklehead. No, the father ran to him and met him halfway and said, you are my son. Right? You're my son. The father is the picture of God. He says, he's my son. He was lost, but now he's found. What are we going to do? We're going to throw a party. Right? That's how much God loves you because the picture of the prodigal is the preacher of all of us. All of us have gone astray. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have lived a life. Listen, some of us quietly, some of us very loudly. But guess what? We're all on the same page when it comes to God. We're all his favorite. We all can run to him and be embraced by him. And he throws a party for him. Right? He throws a party for him. He says, put the best robe on him. Put the best ring on him. Like, show. like I want him to know he is my son. Right? He's not a slave but he's my son. He's my favorite. And that's a picture of grace. God's saying, that's how I want to cover every single person who turns to me. So you are God's favorite, right? And if you are God's favorite, I believe there's certain things that will change. But let, let me show you this, right? Here's my son. This is my youngest one. Okay, this is Caleb. Okay. <laughs> Caleb is about 11 months, right? This happens probably like 20 times a day. Caleb will come to me. <laughs> he doesn't talk yet. He has one thing that he says, ah, and that means so many different things, ah, uh, milk, ah, poopy diaper, ah, you know, it's like trying to interpret a different language, but you know, throughout the day, he'll come like this for me to pick him up, and guess what, this thug in me melts every single time, there's not a time that he doesn't come that I'm going, oh, okay, you know. No matter how busy I am, I have to at least pick him up for two minutes. Why? Because I can't deny that. Why? Because God put that unconditional love in me. If I, me, little me, imperfect father can do that, how much more does God seize you like that every single time? That's you in the spirit. Right? I know some of y'all, you're trying to be hard, you know. You ever see people in church struggling to, like, let go? It's like, you know, and so they don't want to raise their hand, so they, they have to hold their hand down. Because your hand, why? Because everything in you wants to worship. Put my picture back. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> everything in you wants to worship your God. Like, he's your God. He's your father. You want to come to him. You don't have to fake it. Dogs trying not to cry. <laughs> like, what's wrong? Your allergies, bro. Allergies. <laughs> allergies. No, it's okay. You're just a little kid in God's eyes, and He loves you for who you are. So let go and let God have His way in your life. I want that picture to stay in your mind. Okay. Yo, God. 
You know, I wish I had like a hidden camera in heaven. I get to see God in his moments. You know, it's got to be fun. Like God has a sense of humor. He put it in you. He's probably going, yo, look at that, look at that, look at that. <laughs> Call all the angels, yo, come on, watch this. <laughs> Trying so hard to resist me, but he can't. So he's... <laughs> he brought his boys, so his boys over here, so he's worshiping me on this side, you know. Good stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, knock it off, man. Be free in God's house. Can you say amen? Like, just be free. Just be yourself. Because that's you in the spirit right there. You're a forever child in God's eyes. Now, here's what baffles me about this. He's 11 months old. He can't do anything for me. There's nothing he can do for me. I wish they could. They're five of them. I'm like, y'all need to start getting a job. But dad, I'm nine. I don't care. Get a job. Like, do something. Can't do anything for me. I do everything for him. He needs milk. Ah. Three in the morning, he wakes up. When he does that, I, I can't help it. Poopy diaper all day. That's me. Right? Think about it. Because a lot of times we think, I have to be in right standing to come before God. No, you don't have to. You just have to be willing to open your eyes to say, God, I need you in my life right now. Like, like, who are we kidding? Who has your right? Like, the mistake that we make is we, we, try to, we try to think that God is like us, that God has conditions. So people make their list. Yeah, you know, I was an altar boy. I got baptized, I was catechized, you know, I did all those things. God's like, yeah, so what? You're just an 11 month old. Right? What can you possibly do for God? But receive what He has for you, right? Like, that's why spiritual pride is the most dumbest thing in the world. Well, don't you know who I am and what I know? It's like, no, you're an 11 month old boy in God's eyes. That's all we are. Right? And He loves us unconditionally. And if you can love your kids unconditionally, how much more a loving father can love you and take care of you. Now, I want to give you some things that would happen if you begin to believe this, which is God's word. This is what you believe. Don't believe the distortion. Believe the truth, right? If this is true, you're God's favorite because you are. There's there's some things that's going to happen. Number one thing that's going to happen if you are convinced that you're God's favorite. Number one is everything good happening to you, you would instantly give credit to God. And you would thank him for it. Why? Because you know that every good thing comes from him. Like, you didn't make it happen. My 11-month-old can't say, look, I made my milk. Changed my diaper. You can even change your own diaper. Like, we can get spiritual about that. Trust me. Trust me. Y'all are, some of y'all are saying on some poopy stuff. Trust me. We can go there. I'm just not going to go there. Let's just thank God. There's new diapers. There's new diapers. There's new diapers. What'd you learn today in church? Yeah, we got some poopy diapers. Oh, trust me. I can preach about poopy diapers. Don't make... Okay, all right, I'll just move on. Number two, if you believe this, everything bad happening would be something that he's teaching you, and it's a stepping stone to the next good thing he's doing for you in your life. Because he's good, and he's for you. You may not understand it, but when you trust him, and you start with the theology that God is good, he will work it out. 
God will always work it out. You know, there's a guy in the Bible named Job who went through some stuff. Like, if you ever think you're going through a hard time, go read Job. You will feel so much better about your life. Okay? The guy lost everything, lost his family, lost his wealth, lost his health, you know, to the point that his wife, who has a distorted view of God, says, curse God and die. But you know, Job, the Bible says he was a, he was a blameless man, a man of righteous wife, because he, he landed here. You know what he said? He said, he can slay me, but I still will trust him. Why? Because I know who I, who I serve. He said, naked I came into this world, naked I will go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, he gives, he takes away. I worship him because I know he's good, and he's for me. He's working it out for my good. And if you read the whole story, you see the redemption come around, right? The problem is, too many of us, we stop halfway in our story. God's not through yet, right? You may be going through hell, but just don't stop. Right? Because God is working it out for good. If you believe that he's for you, can you say amen? amen? The third thing that would happen is this. You will love coming before God in worship and prayer without thinking you need to do more. Right? In other words, you don't deserve to be praying, to be worshiping. It's a gift that everybody can access. Like, you don't have to have a perfect week to worship God. Yeah, yeah. I know that voice. Oh, you, you know the week you kind of had? Like, you should be worshiping God. That's more the reason to worship God, is to come to him and say, God, I had a terrible week, but guess what? You are faithful. You are good. I'm going to put my eyes on you. I'm going to trust you. There's a lot of bad theology we need to get rid of. Because who is qualified? The Bible says everybody falls short. Like, everybody. You know what the Greek word for everybody is? Everybody. <laughs> Okay. You ever heard people with a distorted view of God say, I can never go to church because, you know, I did this, I did that, I did that. It's like, you're the perfect qualifier person to come and receive God's grace because he loves it. When you come back home, you're the prodigal. He's waiting for you with his arms open like, let's get together. Let's put a robe on you. Let's put a ring on you. Let's celebrate you so that you can have the right identity that you are who you are by my grace. That's the beauty of this. No one deserves this. It's a gift. So you can drop your qualifications because you don't have them. You know what your resume looks like before God? It's blank. That's the best way to come to God with open hands. You can't receive from God if you don't come empty. Listen to me. If If you're not full of God, you're full of yourself. That's just the way it goes. I don't know about you. I'm good. God, I, I'll take some. I ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll take it. Come my way. I'm like that blind man. Jesus, don't pass me by, he said. That's the best prayer in the Bible. Don't pass me by. Touch me. You know, when it comes to God's will, be selfish about it. Y'all got over here. <laughs> right here. Right? And, then, and, and then fourth, no one could ever convince you that God's not for you. Because you know Everything good comes from him. Everything bad is him. He's going to work it out, right? You can come to him at any time, and no one can convince you. No devil in hell can talk you out of God's will when you know who you are in him. You don't let anybody talk you out of God's will when you know this is who I am. Because the moment you leave here today, that's going to be tested. Right? There's always that person. Yo, what you doing at that church? Right? Oh, you're, you're, you're those guys now? holier than thou. 
Say, I don't know about that. All I know is this. Everything good comes from him. Everything bad is working it out. I can come to him anytime. And you're not going to convince me that God's not for me. So either you join me or you're welcome to join. But ain't nobody leaving. You know, I got a good friend of mine. I love his perspective in life. When, when things are going bad, you know what he says? He says, I don't know how long you're going to stay, but I ain't moving. What a great mindset to have. Right? I heard him say today, like, devil, you can stay, but you ain't moving me. Right? What a great perspective. Why? Because he knows his God. He knows his Father. He knows who he is in him. He knows that nothing can take him away from God's will except for sin. Now, when you begin to think better, you'll think better about sin, too. You'll have a better perspective on sin. Why? What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. God has a bullseye for you to hit. Sin is when you hit everything else but the bullseye. Did you know that God has a bullseye for every area of your life? Every area of your life, God's like, I have a perfect plan for that thing. From the way you think, to the way that you hear things, to the way you see things, the way you talk, the way your heart feels, the way you relate to people, the way you have sex. Every, God has a plan for every area. And if you don't hit the bullseye, you will miss the point. So thinking better also is about thinking better about sin. Right? So you're going to get a better perspective. Why? Because when you think better, then sin takes its right place in your life, which is outside of you. Okay? When I say things like that, people get weird because they're like, oh, but, but everybody's a sinner. Everybody's a sinner, but it's a choice to live in sin. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference between sinning and living in sin. Listen, you are a sinner saved by the grace of God. Living in sin, that's a choice. When you begin to think better, you know, like, wait, that's a choice. I don't have to stay there. Right? Someone asked me to pray for them, and, and they start telling me about the situation. I'm like, wait, some of the stuff is about you making a decision that I live in sin. I can pray all day long, but if you don't take action against your sin, you're going to stay there in the first, in the, all over again. Remember, it's deception. Right? Here's some of the deception you're going you're gonna to wake up to when you begin to align your mind with God. Right? Sin causes death. He said, you won't die. He lied. They did die. They died emotionally. They died spiritually that day. Not only did they die, it was passed on to their kids. Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother over jealousy, over anger. Why? Because God says, if you do the right thing, I'll bless you. But you're letting sin rule your life. It's a choice. God, before he did it, God gave him the choice. He said, listen, you can do the right thing, I'll bless you, or you can go ahead and do that, and it's going to curse you. That's a choice. Right? So watch this. Sin causes death to your vision. Blurry image that you have of yourself, of other people. Sin will, will kill your destiny. And sin will kill relationships that you're supposed to have. See, Satan will love to downplay the effects of sin. You won't die. Everybody's doing it. You're just, you're just a human being. You're not perfect. Right? You, you, you're, you're not as bad as... These are all deceptions to keep you from being the best you that God called you to be. These are all deceptions. They're all deceiving you, tricking you. You don't have to be all into church like everybody else. Because if you're not, then I can kill you slowly. Right? I can kill you off slowly on the side. 
He doesn't say, I'm here to destroy your life. He says, I'm here to make you better. It's a lie. It's a deception. You got to read through those things. He will downplay the effects of sin, but it's killing you if you don't deal with it. It's killing you softly. See, the Bible says when it comes to sin, there's no conversation. Right? Can I show it to you? Look, Colossians says this. Look, when it comes to sin, it says, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. You don't flirt with sin. You don't justify sin. You put sin to death. When you know who you are in Christ, you don't mess around with sin anymore, right? This is not one of those things where, you know, we're not perfect, no one's perfect. No, no, no. It's about, okay, do you know who you are? And do you know whose you are? Because you're going to live a better life. And you start thinking better about yourself, then you're going to live a better life. Come on, I know we're getting quiet here, but we need to put to death the sinful things in our lives. Listen to the deception that says, wait a little longer. You're too young. Can I tell you, young people, one of the greatest lies of the enemy, you're too young. Like, live your life. Like, what, the prodigal end up eating with pigs? That's what it will take you. That's what he wants to take you. He wants to ruin you. Right? He wants to destroy you. You think, is this a small thing? No, he, he's, he's baiting you in slowly, slowly, slowly. You know what he says in Proverbs? He says, yeah, you go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to that girl. That's not your, your wife. Go ahead. Have a little kiss. Have a little help. Guess what? Your feet is halfway through hell. No big deal, though. It was just a kiss. It was just a Facebook flirting. Nothing. No big deal. But it's slowly baiting you into his will, which is not God's will for you. You better start recognizing that and start getting your feet off of things of God and go the other way. It's the big deal. Church guys, they take it too serious. You don't have to take it that serious. You're too cool for that. Like, he he is taunting you by telling you you're cool. (laughs) Because he's the accuser. Like, after he gets you, he tells you, whoa, what happened to you? The same guy that deceived you will also come back to taunt you. You better pay attention. You better start thinking better. You better start saying, get behind me, Satan. This is not God's will for me. I'm not going to embrace God's will. This is what the Bible says, Romans 8. Look, it says this. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is living in you. That's God's will for you, to live with the Holy Spirit in you, the Spirit of power, Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of grace, Spirit of discernment. The greatest need of our day is discernment. There's way too many voices talking. you got to discern which one is the Holy Spirit. you better discern your way through life. And that comes with thinking better. That comes with aligning myself every day with God's word. If I'm here, it's so much easier to know what the lie is. Yeah. What do they do when you work at the bank? Right? One of the first things they teach you is how to feel money. So you can discern what's real and what's fake. They say you can, they, but here's what they do. They make you spend so much time with the real. Because if you spend time with the real, then it's easy to know what's the fake. Okay? 
problem that I'm seeing is no one spends time with the real, so they get all confused because they don't know. I mean, that sounded really good, but it could sound good. But the Bible says it leads you to destruction if you're not paying attention to what God says. Spend time with the real. It's easy to tell the fake. In five minutes, you can be talking to someone. You can discern it. But you're playing games. You're saying all the right things, but your spirit is saying all the wrong things. My mind's telling me, yeah, but my body, my body. <laughs> spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, the Bible says. You better get your spirit some protein. Yeah. Better get your spirit some steroids. Talk to the dudes for a second. Y'all, some of y'all are spending too much time in the gym, which is fine. Right? But it's not about physical strength. The Bible says godliness with content is better than any physical strength you will ever have. Ask Samson. Samson, the strongest man in the world, was defeated by a girl. Lust brought Samson to his knees. The strongest man in the world. David defeated Goliath, but the the next moment, he's on his knees because of lust. It's not about your physical strength. It's about your spiritual strength. It's about your spiritual six packs. Now, both is better. Don't get me wrong. I wish I had some physical six-packs. But you should see me in the spirit. I'm, I'm jacked up in the spirit. You don't want to mess with me. So let me end by, I, I got to address one more thing. You guys good? Are we good? Is this helping you? Let me, let me, let me touch on one more thing that, that happens when you begin to think better. is how you view others. I believe that all our views are distorted by how we view people based on sin. I think it's critical that when God touches you, you begin to view people differently. See, the reason why we criticize is because we need to elevate a low self-image of ourselves. Think about it. Why is it that the first reaction out of us sometimes is criticism? Maybe there's something wrong with us. But we think it's the other person. You know, Pastor Nancy said something really good last week. She said, if you don't have anything good to say, why not? Like, what's wrong with you that you don't have anything good to say? No, it's them. No, what about you? Right? Why is it that the first order of business is to be critical? Why not praise somebody? It doesn't hurt you to praise somebody. Actually, the more you praise someone, the more you elevate your spirit. That's what's fascinating. The more you, you believe for others, the more you can believe for yourself. Isn't it interesting sometimes we believe for everybody else but ourselves? Yeah. It's easy for me to preach to you and tell you how good God is, but I have to receive that from me. Because Jesus said you got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I believe when your distortion gets right, then you begin to love yourself. You're not relying on people to love you. See, one of the beautiful things about walking with the Lord, it begins to take away the need to be approved by every single person. Because you know who you are in him. You know, we puff out our chest when we are threatened by others. The only reason we do that is because we have a distorted view of ourselves. We put too much stock on other people. Instead of looking at ourselves. You know, the Bible says this. When you are comfortable with who God made you to be, you don't have to demean others to feel elevated. Actually, you, 
are excited for others. You bless others. You help others. Because it doesn't take anything away from you. It doesn't take a thing away from you. Actually, it enhances your life when you learn to bless others. When you learn to praise others. When you learn to, to be a blessing in other people's lives. When you stop saying, what about me? And you begin to bless others. Watch how your life gets blessed. How, watch how God blesses you. Here's the thing. We all have flaws. Like, I could preach that way. There's some churches, all they do is preach about your flaws. But how is that helping anybody? Like, I already know. I didn't get up in the morning for you to tell me more about how I already know. Tell me what I need to be. Tell me what I was created to be. You know? And if that's true, why am I pointing out everybody's flaws? You know, the Bible says that the measure you judge others, you're judging yourself. In other words, God doesn't have to judge you. You're judging yourself. Right? Now, the Bible encourages us to correct one another with love. Not judgmental, not critical. Right? If I love you, I'm going if to, if I see you doing something wrong, out of love, I'm going to correct you. If I don't, then I don't love you. Okay, that's the other side. Right? Love corrects. The Bible says God disciplines those he loves. Right? And he puts you in a community to say, hey, there's some things you shouldn't be doing. Why? Because that's just hurting your destiny. It's hurting your, your purpose. So he puts the right people around you. If you stiff arm them, you're stiff arming the love of God. Because he works through people. And he works through community. He works through accountability. But he said, do it with gentleness. Right? He said, do it the way you want someone to do it for you one day when it's you being corrected. So even in correction is love. Right? He says he rebuked those he loved in love. So I'm not here to point your flaws. It's more like, man, if we can, if you stop doing this and you do this, man, you'll see your destiny go to a whole yeah, nother yeah. level. Okay. So our origin of perspective must be corrected. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. Yeah. Only aligning myself every day here, I begin to see who God created me. I begin to see, he said, man, I, I formed you in your mother's womb. You're not a mistake. I have a plan for you. I want to prosper you. I want to I bless you. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. So every day I come and I say, God, I want, a, I want a cleansing. I want a touch from you. I had a rough day. Maybe my past is trying to creep up. It's time to go in the word. Someone said something. He brought you back to your, it's time to go here. Do me a favor. Buy yourself a prayer journal. Instead of going on Facebook, go in your prayer journal. God, I want to talk to you today about this. You know why I love prayer journals? Go back three months and see how much God has done in your life when you keep it there. Okay? Don't go on Facebook. Here's why you don't go on Facebook. Because whatever you put out there, you're going to get a distorted answer back. Because they don't have the vision of God. Be careful who you share stuff with. First of all, you should never share on Facebook. That's the public venue. <laughs> it makes no sense. But who are the people close to you who have the heart of God with you that you can share with? Do you have a prayer journal? You know what Psalms are? It's prayer journals. These are just guys putting their hearts and emotions and feelings and thoughts on paper. That's what Psalms is. Go home and read Psalms. You see it. One moment, God, where are you? The next moment, God, I love you. I praise you. Thank you for bringing perspective. I love the Bible. It's honest. It's real. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you.
We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.